How about now? Okay. All right. We're continuing on through the book of Enoch. And as always, we're seeking to align it with our canon. That is the 66 books we call the Bible, our scriptures that we know and love. Amen. You know, and that is what we're using as our measuring stick. That's all that canon means, measuring stick. And so that's what the way we're going to use it. We're going to use it to measure the book of Enoch and see if it measures up. And um, seeing that we're, you know, about halfway through the book of Enoch, I can assume that it does. You know, we see that the book of Enoch has a host of things, you know, that actually, you know, um, that our canon actually bear witness to. In fact, you know, so many things, you know, it, it, it kind of makes you wonder if, uh, you know, if, if a lot of it was predicated upon this book, you know, you know, so uh, with that said, you know, we're going to jump in to where we are today, and that is chapter 55, and so we're going to pick it up with chapter 55 today, um, it starts off with verses 1 and 2, and it says, and after that the head of days repented. And said in vain, have I destroyed all those who dwell on the earth? So in 54, it was talking about, you know, um, how Yah was going to destroy the earth by flood, you know, and, you know, of course, I can bear, um, bears witness to that in Genesis chapter six, you know, dealing with Noah and the flood and the ark. Amen. Everybody remember that? You know, and so uh, that's what we left off on, you know, and so now 55 is, you know, talking about the head of days, speaking about the um, heavenly father repenting and saying you know um you know in vain i have destroyed all those who dwell on the earth verse two and he swear by his great name henceforth i will not do so to all who live upon the earth and i will set a sign in the heaven and this shall be a pledge of good faith between me and them forever as long as heaven is above the, the earth and this is in accordance with my command and so Hereby we see that Yah promises not to destroy the earth by flood again, right? You know, um, and so he says he's uh, not going to do so to all that live upon the earth. You know, does our canon bear witness to this? Absolutely. In Genesis 9, um, 11 through 15, it speaks directly to this. Let me have my first reader read Genesis 9, 11 through 15, please. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall a flesh be cut off any more by the waters of the flood. Neither shall, they, neither shall there be any more be a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Elohim said, this is the token of the, of the covenant, which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual, for perpetual, perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the, my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bowl shall be seen in the cloud. When I remember my and will I and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature, every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. Hallelujah. And so everybody we see, you know, uh, a direct parallel to what Enoch 55, 1 and 2 was saying, you know. Um, you know, Yah said he'll establish his covenant, you know, with uh, Noah and his family, and he won't anymore destroy uh, 
uh, use a flood to destroy the earth. And, you know, he even gives them a token of the covenant, which is something that he set in the heavens, even as he said in Enoch 52, um, 55 two, he said, I will set a sign in the heaven and this shall be my pledge, you know, um, of good faith between me and them. And he tells Noah, I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of covenant between me and the earth, you know, and, you know, that when he see the bow in the cloud, he'll remember his covenant. Beautiful. Lines up perfectly. You know, um, let's go on to verse three of Enoch 55 says, when I have desired to take hold of them by the hands, when I have desired to take hold of them by the, by the hand of the angels on a day of tribulation and pain, because of this, I will cause my chastisement and my wrath to abide upon them, saith Elohim, the Adonai of Uko, or the Adonai of spirits. Now, here it is. He's talking about um, when he desires to take hold of them by the hand of the angels on at a particular time, a day of tribulation and pain. You know, and you know, our canon too speaks of a time of tribulation and pain. <clears throat> You know, it's called the Great Tribulation, in fact. It's found from Matthew Yahoo 24, 21, and 22. It says, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now, take note, he says, for the elect's sake, too, you know, um, let those days be shortened. That's the only reason, though. You know. Now, uh, also consider Acts fourteen twenty two says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of Elohim. See, now there's a lot of people, you know, who who teach that you know, uh, you know, pre-trib um, rapture, if you would. You know, teach that, you know, you're going to, nothing's going to happen to you, you know, um, you know, because we're Yahs, we're going to be raptured off in the never, never land, and, you know, and it's going to be sugar and spice and everything nice, right? You know, well, that's a lie from the pit of Hades. You know, scripture does not teach that, and that is a doctrine that's going to put a lot of people in trouble, you know, and so I implore you, if that, if that is your doctrine, that you, you have another look at that, you know, in fact, Consider Acts 14, 22. You know, it says that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of Elohim. You know, think about what Yahshua said. Yahshua said, you know, seek to enter in at the straight gate. For narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. But broad is the way and for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth unto, unto destruction, you know, and many be thereon. But he says, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few be that find it. So what does that tell us? It tells us that only a few will even find the way. Only a few will even find the straight gate, you know, that leads to the narrow way that leads unto life. Can you see that? You know, but many will find the wide gate and go through that wide gate and go on the broad way to lead us unto destruction. So I want you to recognize that, you know, because this is such a deleterious doctrine, you know, I just feel compelled, you know, to, to, to go in for a second. You know, 
you have to understand that you're not you're not going to be lifted off or float off into into the um, heavens, you know, like you see on the movies. You know, that's not going to happen. You know, and if it does, you don't want to take that trip. Mm. You know, that trip's not going to lead nowhere good. You know, so I want you to understand this. You know, there is going to come a time of great tribulation. You know, and I tell you, tell you something. It'd be a blessing to go through it. You know, you know, even as Yahshua says, you know, seek to enter in at that straight gate. You know, you have to search it out because only a few be that find it. You know, but then, you know, later he'll tell you. If you do find it, you find that later, he says, strive to enter in at that straight gate. So first of all, you got to seek it. You got to find it. And it's hard to find because only a few find it. But once you do find it, you have to strive to enter in. What does strive mean? It means to wrestle. It means to fight, to struggle. Amen? You know, so I, I want you to get a proper picture. Strive to enter in. So first you got to find it. Then once you find it, then you have to strive to enter in. And then we have Acts 14, 22 that backs that up. It says, and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of Elohim. So if you think you're just going to say a few words in abracadabra, you know, say a few words and, and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and abracadabra, presto, change, oh, you automatic save, though. No, 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 no. It does not work that way. I, I hate to, you know, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it does not work that way. You know, and we see here, it tells us explicitly that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of Elohim. You know, and if you if, if you float off with someone prior to that tribulation, you're going to be in trouble. Mm. You know, consider Revelations 7, 14 and 15. It says, and I said unto him, sir, Thou knowest, knowest what? Well, he had seen a great number of people, um, a number of people with white robes, a number so large that it couldn't even be numbered. They were innumerable, you know? And, you know, and he was asking, well, who are these? You know, the angel asked him, who are they? And he, he's responding. He said, you know, I don't know, sir, thou knowest? And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation. Hmm. We must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of Elohim. Now, Revelation 7, 14 is speaking about folks in the kingdom of Elohim. And it says, these are they which came out of great tribulation. You think it may be a connection there? You got to go through much tribulation. We see those that's in the kingdom of heaven just coming out of great tribulation. Think that may go together? It continues on to say, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of Elohim and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. What does it mean and made them white in the blood of the Lamb? I'm going to tell you what it means. It means the same thing as, you know, by his stripes ye are healed. You know, 
It means when you walk in his character, authority, and reputation, the stripes that you receive will bring about your healing. When you walk in his character, authority, and reputation, that is in his name, the blood that shall come from that persecution will make you white and clean. Hallelujah. You know, and that's how they're made white in the blood of the lamb because they follow the lamb into blood. You know, the lamb went to the slaughter. Did he not? Our precious lamb, our Messiah, Yahshua, he was led to the slaughter. He sacrificed his flesh on for our behalf. And those of us who follow him in all that he does will do likewise. And like his blood was shed, our blood will be shed, you know, and we will make ourselves white in his blood, you know, by doing what he did. And so, and it even tells us in verse 15 that he sitteth on the throne. He that sitteth on the throne shall be among them. And that, that one that sitteth on the throne is none other than Yahshua, our Messiah, our Savior. Consider verse uh, 4, Enoch 55, 4. It says, ye mighty kings who dwell upon the earth, ye shall have to behold my elect one. Hello, Yahshua, my elect one. How he sits in the throne of glory and judges Azazel and all his associates and all his hosts in the name of the Adonai of Wukko. See, Yahshua is the elect one and those who follow him in all that he say and do are his elect, you know? And so we have the elect one and the elect ones that follow the elect one. Amen? Yeah. You know, so here it is. You know, we see that he's going to be sitting on the throne of glory, sitting in the throne of glory. You know, does our canon align with Yahshua sitting on the throne of glory? Well, Revelations 5, 12, and 13 certainly does. Says, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing." And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor, glory and power be unto him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. You know, so we see our Messiah will sit on the throne. You know, also we have, uh, yeah, that kind of jumped out of the order, didn't it? We have Matthew 25, 31, it says, when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. So we see not only does he sit on the throne, he sits on the throne of glory. You know, and also we have Matthew 19, 28 says, and Yahushua said unto them, verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, see, they follow him everywhere, even in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you see, you know, our canon absolutely aligns with Enoch 55, 4. You know, yes, the elect one, you know, he will sit in the throne of glory. 
you know, and he will judge Azazel and all his associates and all the sinners to boot. All right, let me have my um, next reader read Enoch chapter 56, verses 1 through 3, please. Well, 1 through 4, please. And I saw the hosts of the angels' punishment going, and they held scourges and chains of iron and bronze. And I asked the angel of peace who went with me, saying to him, to whom are these who hold the scourges going? And he said to me, to their elect and beloved ones, that they may be cast into the chasm of the abyss of the valley. And then that valley shall be filled with the elect and beloved, and the days of their lives shall be at an end, and the days of their leading astray shall not thenceforth be reckoned. Hallelujah. Okay, so here it is. We see Enoch 56, 1 through 3, um, verse 1. Um, taught us it says and they held scourges and chains of iron he says i saw there the host of the angels of punishment going you know so this is the host of the angels of punishment and they held scourges and chains of iron and bronze okay you know and so enoch asked the angel of peace who was with him you know um you know hey you know who are these you know where they going you know and he tells them two very elect and beloved ones that they may be cast into the chasm of the abyss of the valley. And so we're talking about an abyss of the valley. We're talking about, you know, some type of, you know, pit, you know, does our canon align with this? It absolutely does. And it talks about these very same folks, you know, Azazel and this, and his um and his his cronies, you know, if you would, um, doesn't call them by name, but you know, it lets you know that he's talking about um the fallen angels, you know. Um, second Kephas or Second Peter 2, 4, and 5 says, For if Elohim spared not the angels that sin. So we're talking about angels, right? But cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth son, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So hereby we see that our canon absolutely aligns with Enoch um, 56, one, it speaks about them angels having chains, you know, and we see that second Kephas or second Peter two, four, you know, says that Elohim spared not the angels that sin, but cast them, um, down and delivered them into chains. Sound like it like it aligns to me. It's measuring up. Also consider Jude 1.6. Says the angels, again, we're talking about angels, right? Which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And so hereby we see, again, our canon aligns with what Enoch is saying, talking about these chains, you know, that would be put upon these, these uh, disobedient angels, these fallen angels, if you would. And then we have Enoch 56.4, which goes on to say, and then that valley shall be filled with their elect and beloved, and the days of their lives shall be at an end. 
in the days of their leading astray, um, and the days of their leading astray shall thenceforth be reckoned. So this is speaking about a futuristic time when the valley shall be filled. You know, it is not yet filled. Say lie. You know, and just uh, you know, so I want you to, to be able to see that that yes, our canon absolutely aligns, you know, it measures up with Enoch. And then also consider Revelations 9, 1 through 6. Because uh, what was the last thing? You know, speaking about that that valley, you know, and and where they were thrown in, you know, which was Peter and, and Jude was talking about, you know, and it's important that we understand that because something's going to happen in the future with these very same beings before that valley get filled. Before it get filled, it's going to get emptied. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. Before it gets filled, it's going to get emptied. And this is what Revelations 9, 1 through 6 teaches. Us. It says, and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the boundless pit. And if you look up this word boundless pit, you, you'll see it's a uh, abusos. You know, I forget the Strong's number, but it speaks to an abyss. So just, just so that you, you know, you don't think I'm, I'm mixing apples and oranges, you know, it speaks to an abyss, just what Enoch um, uh, is talking about, you know, so Revelation 9, 2, and he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any green, any tree, but only those which have not the seal of Elohim in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not peel them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he strike up a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Yeah, don't sound like a good time, though. You know, this will be a time of great tribulation. This will be a time, as Enoch teaches us, you know, in um, 55, one, this will be a time of great tribulation and pain. Can you see the pain? They'll be tormented five months so badly that they'll seek death and death will flee from So, yes, our canon absolutely measures up. Let me have my next reader read Enoch 56, verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> and in those days, the angels shall return and hurt, and hurt themselves and hurl themselves to the east upon the Parthenian and Medus. They shall stir up the king so that a spirit of unrest shall come upon them. 
they shall rouse from their thrones that they may break forth as lions from the lairs and as hungry wolves among their flocks. And they shall go and tread upon underfoot the land of his elect ones. And the land of his elect ones will be before them like a threshing floor and a highway. Hallelujah. All right. So we see Enoch 56, 5. He's telling us about these angels shall return and hurl themselves to the east upon the Parthians and Medes. You know, so this is, uh, well, we're not going to go into that. All right. They shall stir up the kings so that a spirit of unrest shall come upon them. So here it is. The angels are going to uh, hurl themselves upon the Parthians and Medes and stir up the kings so that a spirit of unrest shall come upon them. And when they put that spirit of unrest upon them, they're going to break forth as lions from their lairs. You know what lions do when they break forth from their lairs? It says that they're going to be as hungry as wolves among their flocks. Do you know what wolves do when they get in the midst of flocks? Absolutely. When they hungry, they're going to they eat. You know, now I want you to consider, you know, Daniel 10, 13, because it, it, it speaks to this. It's, you know, it says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. This is Gabriel speaking, the archangel. He says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, another archangel came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. You know, so what I'm pointing out to you is that there are ruling spirits over certain countries, such as the kingdom of Persia. We see this, right? You know, uh, also, I want you to consider Yermiyahu 51, uh, verse 11. So, so that shows you like the angels will stir up them kings over there. You know, they exist. Our canon um, bears witness to their existence. Yahoo 51 11, make bright the arrows, gather the shields. Yahuwah have raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes. Is that not what Enoch 56 5 said? That he'll stir them up? And Yahoo 51 11 is bearing witness, and Yahuwah have raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes. For his devices is against Babylon to destroy it because it is the vengeance of Yahuwah, the vengeance of his temple. So again, our canon measures up. You know, our canon, you know, our Enoch, I should say, measures up to our canon. Now, Enoch 56, 7 says, but the city of my righteous shall be in hindrance to their horses. And they shall fight among themselves, and their, and by their right hand shall they be strong against themselves. And a man shall not know his brother, nor a son, his father, or mother, till there shall be no number of corpses through their slaughter, and their punishment be not in vain. Now, this is important to understand. You know, now, what does this 
speak to? Can anyone, you know, um, can anyone tell me what this speaks to? You know, it says, but the city of my righteous shall be a hindrance to their horses. So his, um, his city of righteousness, you know, is going to go up against the Medes, you know, uh, harshly, but it says, and they shall fight among themselves and by their right hand, they should be strong against themselves. What is this describing? Good try, but no. What? Destroy themselves? Yes, what, what do you call that? Suicide. No, not not suicide. What do you what do you call it when, when people fight fight amongst themselves? When you have a, a civil war, thank you. You know, can you see that this is describing civil war? You know, it says they shall fight among themselves, and by their right hand they shall be strong against themselves. In other words, they're their own worst enemies. They would, they would, not only would they be a hindrance to their to those horses, they would have probably stopped them if they wouldn't wasn't fighting amongst themselves. Can you see that? They're fighting against amongst themselves and against themselves so bad that it says a man shall not know his brother nor a son is father or mother. So in other words, they're going to be fighting against their own family. They're going to be going against their own family. Can you see that? And it says there will be no number of courses through their slaughter. An immense amount of people is going to die off this. You know, it's going to be a civil war amongst whom? Amongst Yah's righteous. This is very important for you, to, for you to grasp. This is very important for you to understand because what this is teaching us is that the believers will be fighting amongst one another. And so you have the believers who will be going against one another. Obviously, one is going to think they're right and the other is going to think they're right. But one of them got to be wrong, right? No pun intended on that one. <laughs> you know, but somebody got to be wrong. You know, and so, you know, you're going to see this civil war going on amongst the righteous or amongst the believers. Because that one, one, one subset is not going to be righteous. One will be righteous, one won't. But what I want you to see is that these are religious folk, that these are those that claim to be Yah's people. And they're fighting against one another. This is what Enoch is, is um, 56.7 is telling us. But the city of my righteousness shall be a hindrance to their horses and they shall fight among themselves. And by their right hand, they shall be strong against themselves. And a man shall not know his brother, nor his son, his father, or mother. You know, and this, I would have you know our measuring, it, 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 it measures up to our measuring stick. Our measuring stick, um, well, 
We haven't got to our manuscript yet. Verse 8, <laughs> Enoch 56, 8. In those days, Sheol shall open its jaws, and they shall be swallowed up therein, and their destruction shall be at an end. Sheol shall devour the sinners in the presence of the elect. Okay, so here it is. We have this picture of the believers fighting amongst one another, taking each other out to the point to where, you know, it's an innumerable amount of people. We just read about an, an innumerable amount of people that died. Did we not? That was found in the kingdom of heaven. Did we not? Yep. Now here it is. Enoch 56, 7 is telling us there is no number of corpses through their slaughter. Now you see where these people came from. Can you see the tribulation? Can you see why it's great tribulation? Even because you're not even safe with your own household, with your own family, your own mother, your own brother, your own sister. Can you see why it's great tribulation? I pray you can see this picture because I, I assure you it's accurate. And it does align with our measuring stick. You know, consider Daniel eleven thirty one. It says, and the arms shall stand on his part and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice and they shall place the abomination that make a desolate. 11, um, Daniel eleven thirty two. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flattery. But the people that do know their Elohim shall be strong and do exploits. Can you see the civil war in that? <clears throat> you know, I pray you can see the civil war in that. It says, and such that do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatterers. So in other words, the enemy is going to bribe some of the believers to the point to where they're going to go against their fellow believers. This is what is meant, you know, that those that do wickedly against the covenant shall corrupt by flatteries. They're bribing them. They're bribing the people. They're bribing the, the believers. And those, you know, believers, rather than holding strong throughout the uh, tribulation, they're giving in. Consider verse 33. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. So those who understand what is happening, they're going to instruct the people and tell them, hold on, no, this is supposed to happen. This is, this is what, it, what the great tribulation looked like. It says, yet they shall fall, um, shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by sword and by flame, by captivity and by spoil many days. So as they're instructing many, they're also being knocked off. They're also being killed. Can you see that? Can you see the righteous who are trying to, to, um, to, to bring forth the truth and spread the truth? They're being killed. They're being killed. They're falling by sword, by flame, by captivity, by spoil, many days. Verse 34. Now when they shall fall, they shall be hoping with a little help but many shall cleave to them with ladders. Again, this is how he's going to overcome. This is how he's going to infiltrate the believers. By bribery, by flattering. You know, it's important that you understand this because, you know, if, if, 
if we're around during this time, you're going to be confused. If you don't understand it now, you're not going to understand it when it's transpiring. And if you understand it now, you still may not um, may may not um, fully believe it when it's when it's happening. But at least if the truth is already in your heart, it'll be easier for you to grasp hold hold of it and stand strong. You understand? You know. So so at least you have been unhurried. You know they're going to be flattering. They're going to be cleaving to them with flatteries. They're going to be bribing the people to tell on one another and cause one another to die. And it's going to be so many people that's dying. So many. It says innumerable. That's a lot of people. Daniel eleven thirty five, And some of them of understanding shall fall. So even some of the ones who do understand, they're still going to fall. Why? To try them and to purge and to make them white. Remember what Revelation 7 said. Remember what Revelation was saying, how they had to make themselves white in the blood of the lamb. Remember we was talking about that? This is what Daniel talking about. Very same things. Very same group of people. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. I pray you get that. I pray you get that. You know, because that right there is huge. Because when the proverbial crap hit the fan, if you don't understand that, if you don't understand what we're talking about right here, you you very well might may be one of the ones that's telling on the on, on the believer, telling on the righteous, that fall for the flatterers. You know, so this is huge that we understand this. You know, so this is the end of Enoch 56. So we're going to stop right here and we'll pick it up next week with Enoch chapter 57. Amen. Amen. Amen.